The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I, I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I may known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So we continue our series, Behold the Man, looking at these different aspects of Jesus' humanity. And one of the things we talk about tonight is Jesus is a God who prays. Now, it's interesting because when I first read that, I thought, well, that's not too surprising or shocking. First, we had a God who eats. Well, God is immortal. Why would he need to eat? It's surprising. Last week, a God with a mother. How does the uncreated one have a mom? It's surprising. But a God who prays seems kind of expected. And maybe it's because it's a spiritual thing. The other two are more earthly and physical, but prayer is, a, is some spiritual truth. But then I sat and I thought about it. And I thought about it. And I thought to myself, what is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God. Why would God pray? That would mean God is talking to himself. Crazy people talk to themselves. I talk to myself, but that doesn't count. Right? Crazy people talk to themselves. Why would God need to pray? What a strange thing. God hears our prayers. God listens to our prayers. He speaks to us. He protects us and he guards us. But, but pray? That is something we do. But this is exactly 
what Jesus does for us. He takes on flesh, descends down from his throne so that he may pray to God his Father. But why would he do that? In order to answer this question, we have to go back into the Old Testament. And we have to understand the the purpose of the Old Testament priesthood. The first great high priest was Aaron, the son of Moses. Aaron becomes the first great high priest, and Moses and Aaron, there's all these laws in the Old Testament that lay out who a, a high priest is supposed to be, what they're supposed to even wear, how they're supposed to act in the rituals and ceremonies they're supposed to perform. The role as priest being the one who stands between God and man as an intercessor. He would intercede or speak on behalf of the people to become that go-between. And part of that job even including atoning for the sins of the children of Israel. That is, paying for the sins of Israel. And so even the priest, Aaron himself, would put his hands on, be it a goat or a lamb, and he would place the sins of the people upon that creature. And then that creature would become a sacrifice. And in sacrificing that creature, it would be a symbol of of the death of their sins. And this goes all the way back to Egypt. When they're in Egypt, Moses says, let us go three days so we can sacrifice to our God. And Pharaoh says, no sacrifice right here. Moses says, we can't because it would offend you too greatly. The reason the sacrifice of Israel would offend Egypt is because the animals they sacrificed were symbolic of the gods of Egypt. And so Moses says, we need to go out into the wilderness to make these sacrifices. And we know there's the plagues and then they, they're, they're sent free from Egypt. They're no longer in the bondage of slavery. Yet even then now, they still make these sacrifices, putting to death the idols of their past and even putting to death the idols of their presence. The, the sins, the, the times their desire was aimed at themselves or the things of this world instead of God. And even the vestments the priests wore, chapters dedicated to describing these ornate garments, and you would wonder to yourself, why such elaborate vestments? Why did God care? Because all of these things, the atonement for sin, the priesthood, the position itself, even his anointing, the elaborate vestments, are a sign of Christ, the anointed one who is to come. We talk about Christ anointed into his threefold office, prophet, priest, and king, and tonight we'll focus on his role as priest. Because it is he, the God-man, Jesus, fully God and fully man, who stands as the intermediary between God and man. Being fully both himself, he alone is able to stand in that place and intercede for us. Eternally. Eternally intercede for us. The Hebrews reading pulls us out. As it says, there were many prophets. There were many prophets. They were great in number. Why? Because death prevented them from continuing their call. The priests of Israel die. Aaron dies. I will one day die. But Jesus is the eternal high priest who intercedes for us without ceasing. Because he will never die. He is the high priest who doesn't just put the sins of the people of Israel upon some goat and send it out into the wilderness to die, but he puts the sins of the world upon himself and dies for them. He is the sacrifice, the eternal sacrifice, the lamb once slain that the author of Hebrews again picks up on. 
that no other sacrifice was necessary. He need not sacrifice daily for himself and for the people because he is the one sacrifice that even tonight we celebrate. And even the beauty of the vestments are a sign of the beauty of the office of priest. Not because of whoever wears the vestments, but because of what it signifies. Christ, the beautiful one. And while his outer appearance was nothing to make great note of, it was his action that is more beautiful than any act of humanity. And so we behold this man who, who now, even now, intercedes for us, prays for us, for us. He goes to the Father for us. We don't always like to think that there's someone between us and God, but that's exactly what Jesus is. Because there is a deficiency in us. Sin. We need someone else to take up our cause before God. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we don't always pray as we should, do we? We, we don't always hollow God's name. We don't always make God's name holy in the way we live, in the way we speak, in praise, in prayer, in thanksgiving. We don't use his name like we should. We don't go to him as often as we, as we need to. And so Jesus takes on flesh so that he can have a voice in order to approach his Father in heaven. Hands to be able to fold and a head to bow down in worship and to fall down. Eyes to be able to turn up to heaven and pray for us. We hear that in John with the high priestly prayer. He's praying for us. He's praying for his disciples and he's praying for his church. I love what he says, Lord, I'm not just praying for them, but I'm praying for the ones who will believe because of what they said. The very words that we receive even today, that we may believe that he is Christ, the son of the living God, that he is the high priest who is always praying on our behalf without ceasing, who prays in order to keep his name among us and to keep us in, in his life who prays in order to keep us away from the attacks of the evil one, who always seems to be so close at hand. We cannot approach a holy God by ourselves. And so Jesus does it for us, constantly praying for us before the throne of God. It's a lie to think that God cannot be bothered by you and by your prayers and by your worries and by your concerns. He's always praying for you. And because Jesus prays for you, because Jesus goes before the Father on our behalf and pleads our case and then dresses us in his garment, we are able to go before the Father so that he even teaches us how to pray. Call him our Father. He's our Father. And we can only call him our Father, because it is our brother Jesus who brings us in to be adopted as sons and daughters of God. It's only in Jesus that we can pray our Father because it's in Jesus that our prayers are perfected even when we don't know how to pray. And the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It is only in Jesus that we even tonight come before our Father in heaven to to cry out for help and to receive his life. To be perfected. He is the high priest. 
who bids us pray while never ceasing to pray for us and never ceasing to pray with us. Let us just take a moment of silence to lift up our prayers of thanksgiving to our brother Jesus who prays on our behalf.